1: baseball your way download it now for free from the app store or google play blackout and other restrictions apply major league baseball trade marks used with permission
2: welcome back it's inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score david hall bruce levine live from the cub convention at the sheridan grand hotel in downtown chicago time now to welcome the cubs president of baseball operations jed hoyer to the program good morning jed how you guys doing we are doing well. How are you feeling today? How did the last night go, the first night of the convention? Everybody's back. It feels like the countdown to spring training. This is always fun.
1: No, it's great. I feel like you can't you can not not have a lot of energy in here. You know, all the fans have energy, and so uh, obviously it's a, a late night and an early morning, but um, you can't not, you know, be excited to be here all the time.
3: No time for softball questions, and that is, <laughs> uh, look, you've talked about in the soft season – how great Cody Bellinger was here and how you continue to be in touch with him uh, via text. And I I think that that shows uh, one of your strengths beyond your baseball acumen and what you brought here is the fact that you're a good guy and that people like you, that doesn't hurt when you're in the position that you're in, the fact that you have these communications with players. We had Dansby Swanson uh, here talking to us about how he communicates with you all this, time. My assistant GM. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is is that you're only a part of the equation. You made a chess move. You picked up a left-handed power hitter from the Dodgers that can't play first base. Scott Boris, who has great players out there right now, represents Cody, has other good players that the Cubs may or may not be interested in. How, how is that chess game going for you? And is there any anxiety, any... Trepidation going in forward, knowing that the player fits for you he played great for you, but you have to be prepared to move on without him
1: yeah no I think in general you have to um, there's a lot of paths that can lead to, to winning there's not one path that, that leads to winning obviously um, I really like Cody we've got a great re- relationship and he's a great player um, but yeah all the all roads can't lead that direction you know you have to have a lot of contingencies and that's not just about him it's about anyone you know that um, if you build a team where one player gets hurt and you can't win that's not a very good team you know this isn't the NBA uh, you got to build a team that has depth you got to build a team that you know if someone goes down you have to have a next man up mentality and you know depth is really important so you know if, if you can't build a team that if you take one player off that team they're not very good we well, have to look at free agency kind of the same way um, and so I think that's how I see it there's a lot of paths for us to be really good I'm um, excited about our team and, you know, we have more moves in store this offseason for sure. You know, we're, we're certainly not done, but it can't be a one player makes the off season type deal.
2: I know you've addressed this publicly. We haven't talked to you since this happened going into this offseason because of your we, we've got to know you pretty well. You've been here since 2011 and we know that you deal with things you're, you, in a way that you humanize the, the process and you come across very uh, relatable. Firing David Ross could not have been easy. And so the way it's been reported, you showed up there. He wasn't expecting you. I I, I imagine that had to be one of the more difficult conversations you've had as an executive. What was that process like in retrospect? And is it right to wonder what you learned from the process or what you took away from that because it was so delicate in nature and important and significant to the Cubs?
1: Yeah. I guess I'd say this, I feel there's a, there's a part of me that's uncomfortable talking about this it. because it was someone's career that, and someone that I've known since 2008. I mean, I know David when he was in, in, in Boston, you know, so um, that part was really hard. Um, and I think I've said it a number of times. I look at it like, you know, if a decision is unbelievably hard and I'm still willing to do it, it means I feel like it's the, the right thing to do. And that's how I felt about this, that, um, yeah, it made me sick to my stomach, the, the idea of, of flying to, you know, down there to to talk to David, uh, it was, uh, you know, because I think he's a really good manager, because I think he's a really good person. Um, and I think it was without a doubt the most difficult conversation in my career as it would have to be. Um, but I felt like, you know, I have a responsibility to this organization to to make hard decisions. Um, I've made a bunch of them. I, you know, listen, I a lot of players that I got to know really well, I had to make really hard decisions on in, in 21 as well. So I think that's part of the job that you have to be I want to be relatable. I want to be close to guys. But ultimately, my responsibility is to the Cubs, to these people, to to the rickets, And I have to I have to always keep that in mind.
3: Following up on David's question, I've asked a lot of baseball people this question over the years. And I always find it fascinating to get the answer. So I'll ask you, how much difference does a manager make in wins and losses? I've gotten, you know, variants of 5, 10, one way uh, Kerry Wood gave me a great answer uh, about five years ago, and he said, uh, I don't know how many games a manager could win, but I certainly know that if you're not a good manager, there's X amount of games that you're going to lose because of that.
1: It's funny you said that because I actually um, – we, we've studied this a lot, and there's certainly a, 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 a real tangible number of wins I, th- I think a good manager can get you. I think on the downside, it's it's, it's obviously not – um, there's a number but like I, I think on the downside it's really massive that when a, when a manager or a coach in any sport loses the clubhouse and they lose respect to the players when the, when it when their message doesn't connect the downside is so big and that's one of those things these, this is not ever gonna happen to, to Craig Council and it's a great that's a great feeling you don't ever have to worry about that um, I think we have got a really good group of guys and players and competitors and I think it, that that certainly helps but I I have zero doubt when I go to bed at night that he will find a way to take the mix of players we have and make the most of it. And that's what he does exceptionally well. You know, I think that if I gave him a collection of guys that could hit and not play defense, he'd find a way to win. If I gave him a, guy, a collection of guys that could play defense and not hit, I think he'd find a way, and I just think that that's the, um, the beauty of it is I think in baseball um, you can't have, like, a style. I think that, like, in, in other sports you can be a defensive you know he's a defensive coach i don't i don't think you can do that in baseball i think you have to take the collection of players you're getting and get the most out of them this is the nature of our sport you know that miami heat can have a culture of tenaciousness and defense and it works amazing and spolster is incredible i just don't know if you can do that in baseball i think you you, you have to say hey these are the guys I'm gonna, I'm gonna get and i'm gonna make the most of it
2: it might be more organizational it goes down to the system yeah. the cubs way or teams adopt a certain type of yeah. Uh, emphasis that they teach at every level. And and I wonder this. You get Craig Council, and the expectation is, well, you know what? First of all, the Cubs are going to have a big offseason because look what they just did. The other understanding is that he does do more with less, typically, in Milwaukee. That's what made him so great. And what if he can do more with more in Chicago? How – I mean, people come here, and, and the question I came posed coming into the show was, are people more excited about this? season or more disappointed in the off season because of the way it began and the way it sort of has stagnated jet i mean you hear it i'm sure walking around i wonder what your level of frustration or impatience is well
1: i'd say a couple things that um first of all it's not a very good free agent class like period so the idea of having a really big off season this off season is one of the thinner free agent classes i think we've ever had and you know we knew that last off season, you're staring ahead at oh the 24 off season's is pretty thin you know and so um i'm not sure there's a, a the, the quote-unquote big off season i'm not sure there, that's in in that group of players um you know as far as being aggressive and, and winning making more with more um there's a right time certainly in our future to to sort of have that big off season to be really aggressive to to do that but you, you have to have the players to, to do it you know um and so um At some point, that is the right move. You just can't, can't force it, I guess, is probably the best way to say it.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
3: You and I uh, differ, and your opinion matters, mine doesn't so much, on Christopher Morrell. I asked you this question yesterday in the media scrum about uh, whether he's got a position or not, and you know your answer was, which has been the organization opinion is he's a good baseball athlete. We can move him around to different positions. My theory is, look, you got a guy that's a known home run hitter. He's, he's got something there. He could be a 30 to 40 home run hitter every year, maybe even more. Why not put him in just one position and say, "Leave him alone. This is your position. Go get him." Your theory is, you know what? during a baseball season? There's going to be a lot of injuries. He's a good baseball athlete. We can move him around. You know, tell, tell me why my thoughts about just leaving him in one position do, doesn't really hold water.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell think, me what I don't know, Jeff. Yeah, I
1: don't think you're wrong. I just, you know, to me, um, I just, my, my, my views on this have changed a ton over the years. I, I feel like the game has changed. Um, it used to be sort of making out the lineup card with the mm-hmm. nine guys and make out the lineup you know, you're here's Your five starters, your three good relievers, and you play. And and now it's just so much about you know, it's not your 26 guys. It's about your 45 guys you're going to use. And so that's where, to me, Morel is so valuable through the length of the season. He's going to play a ton. He's going to get a ton of bats for us. He's he's going to play a lot. He's just going to play in different spots because we're going to we're going to have injuries. We're going to have. You
3: but know, he wasn't very good at any of those. Okay, so with that in mind. You know uh, that—that's where my the baseball. He's young, fantasy, Bruce. He's you young. Know, the baseball fan of me says, "Yeah, not everybody can play all these positions, Jed, because some of them are just not really defensively qualified." Yeah.
1: No, that, I think that—that's one view. Is like, you just give him one spot and let him and let him go. And I—I I think that usually happens organically. I, I just think that, you know, um, someone's going to get hurt that we haven't—we're right. not thinking about, and then that ends up being the spot, and like. To just build nine guys and say, let's go, I think, I think you're gonna have injuries. And that's one of the things that I always, um, I, I try to remember every year. And I, used to, I used to have a, a two and a half day drive before opening day with my dog. I'd drive them back and it would kind of be my time to think. And the thing I would tell myself over and over is, weird stuff is gonna happen that you can't think of right now. Right. And you have to be prepared for that. Like you, you, you try to think about every inevitability of what's going to happen. But like when you start the baseball season, it is a long and winding path that is going to take twists and turns and different thing, things are going to happen. And I think that you have to be mentally prepared for all those things.
2: How do you see Shota Imanaga fitting into the rotation? And are you done with starting pitching this offseason? Um, well, first of all, I think he'll fit
1: in really well. Um, there's always an adjustment period, and, you, you know, you don't know what degree that's going to take. But I think the, um, the way he pitches and the, the, the mix he has, I think um, he will. He has all the tools necessary to use that mix to, to get guys out over here. You know, um, over there, his four-seam fastball is so good I, mean, I think he, you know led led MPB in strikeouts last year he was able to kind of go open in on righties with a four seamer and blow guys up over here probably not going to do that as much but he has a good split you know slider curveball. I think his mix will work well um, I'm, I'm excited to see his uh you know his his transition as far as being done with starting pitching we I mean, were always looking um i'm, I'm there, there may not be another big addition but you're always looking to find innings and I was saying up there on stage that it's where the game has changed and you just have to evolve that the days of getting you know 900 to 1,000 innings, knowing that out of your starting rotation, like those, those days are over. Guys don't face guys a third time through. Guys don't throw 200 innings, and so you have to be prepared to, you know, let eight to 10 guys take those starts and and to do those innings. It's a different sport that way.
3: You and Carter have done exactly what Tom Ricketts asked you to do when you took over the job, and that is build a farm system that not only helps us on the field but we can trade players and other teams will be interested in our guys. Congratulations to you. This is one of the harder things that any general manager has to do. You've done that and you've done it well. My question to you is about Pete Crow Armstrong. When you try to evaluate the minimal amount of at-bats and games that he played compared to where he's at and can he be your starting center fielder, how anxious do you get about a decision like that going into spring training 2024?
1: So I don't put a lot of basis on what we saw. It's, you know, 13 at-bats and whatever it was in a pennant race. And um, his track record obviously speaks to more of that. I, 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 the, the more than that, I, I, to me, Craig's attitude is exactly right. Where The expectation has to be that a player is going to struggle when he comes to the big leagues and then he's going to adjust, especially a 21-year-old. What he does well, he does at the highest possible level, you know. I mean, he is a, you know, he's probably one of the three best people in the world that can play center field, you know, and that saves a lot of runs. And so there may be a world in which we put him in the lineup before his bad as ready, knowing that, right? And I think that, you know, I, you know the Brewers did that last year with Bryce Tarang. He played second base. He covers half the field. He's incredible there. You know, I think he on base like 250 or 260, but they felt like, he was providing wins for them and so um I think Pete's gonna be a really good hitter in the big leagues you know his defense is ahead of that and I think that's a a challenge how do you work through that
2: so you were a history major at Wesleyan University so you know well the people that came before you Bill Belichick was one of them at Wesleyan University he retires this week well oh no let me rephrase that he left the Patriots this (laughs) week he will coach again do you have a relationship with your fellow Wesleyan University graduate, and what was your reaction as a Patriots guy, right, as a Patriots fan, yep. to, to him leaving and not being able to win without Brady? Well, first of
1: all, I just want to say that, like, you know, I was in Boston for a long time. I grew up in New Hampshire, but, like, I'm not a Patriots fan anymore. I was a Belichick fan. I mean, I'm a Bears fan now. i got three boys I got to raise as, as Bears fans. So I think that is a, it's important. They're going
2: to love that Caleb Williams jersey. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My my son, we I took my son to a USC uh, game this year. That was what he wanted to do, and he's already he's already got one. So he's <laughs> smart smart kid, yeah. So um, I don't know Bill well. We we've communicated a decent amount over the years. It's not like we're friends, but we've talked a bit over the years. And I think in 2018, um, their front office came and visited our front office, and we kind of exchanged ideas. Um, I mean, he's exceptional, there's just no way around it. You know What he's done is unbelievable, his football mind is, is so amazing. One of the things that was really impressive that the, the two most impressive people or groups that we've ever met with and we did a ton of this, especially after 2016 was um, you know, we had lunch with Spolstra, who's unbelievable. And it just had a, this is what we do and we do well. And that was the key thing when we met with the Patriots It's like, this is what we do well. And I think there's a lot to that, that, you know, in any draft, you know, we're going to get one of every 30 players, right? And so it's like, you, have a, you know, you, you're going to miss on 29 out of 30 players. Pick guys that you want. Not that the draft people think you want. Not that, you know, right. these are our style of players. And I think the Patriots did an exceptional job of that for a long time. They had a style. They played it. Obviously, Brady was a huge part of that. But... Um, you know, to win six titles in that number of years is, is amazing to be that good that long. And, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting, right? Because I think that this week you'd be crazy not to sort of step back as a person and think about just, like, your career mortality, sort so to speak, right? You watch, you know, Nick Saban's the best ever do it. He steps away. You know, Belichick's the best ever do it. He steps away. And you realize, like, this Pete is Carroll. a – Pete Carroll. This is a chapter, uh, 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 and, you know, so – to watch those guys and see what they did and, and see them step away. Um, you know, Someone will sit in my chair at some point. That is part of life. My job is to be the best custodian of the organization as long as I can in that chair, but realizing that like, someone will be there after me. Mm-hmm. You know?
3: Philosophically, you've always been opposed to long-term deals for closers, okay? Historically, it's been proven out to you the reason, that's the reason why you have that philosophy. Uh, Can that change? Will that change with this market Uh, depending on uh, maybe the inventory or the person out there that uh, wants five years and might only get two or three?
1: Yeah, The elite, elite closer, um, the leverage they pitch in makes a huge difference. I mean, uh, you know, certainly when we traded for Chapman, there was a reason. It was like he was going to pitch the highest leverage innings and we knew we were kind of one piece away from being easily the best team um we traded Jorge Soler he didn't have I mean in a a non-DH world we just didn't have a place for him but we traded him for one year away Davis and a draft pick because of the leverage he was going to pitch so I do believe in that but I also think that um the most volatile position on a baseball field is is a reliever and I think you have to take that in mind as you build a bullpen that this is a high volatility high regression area and you have to think about your investments in that way that you want to put your dollars generally in the areas that you're most certain about.
2: Jed Hoyer, thank you for joining us. This has been a lot of fun, and everybody, I think, enjoyed it. uh, So appreciate it.
1: Always. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. See ya.
2: All right. Inside the clubhouse, we will be back to wrap things up here on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to
0: score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices anywhere, anytime, all season long.